This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast where things are getting rather interesting. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> they are. We... We invest as much as we can, the way Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have taught us. Um, they learned this investing strategy we call rule number one from Ben Graham. And typically the strategy depends on being very patient, not doing much for a, quite a long time rather than, other than just putting together a list of companies you want to own and knowing what they should be bought at as a margin of safety price. And then waiting for him to go on sale from an event. And man, we have been waiting for a broad event probably for two or three years, expecting at some point that this country has to go into recession. And the Federal Reserve has taken on an entirely new role of preventing the company from going into recession rather than causing one, which was their the old country, role. The country, preventing the, the country, preventing the country. The country, rather than causing recessions, which is how it kept a lid on inflation. And um, now they just prevent them with ever more cash flowing into the economy until we have a crisis. And we have one now that is created by, as you guys all know, the coronavirus, which basically shut down the world economy for some chunk of time. And it's shutting down the U.S. economy for some chunk of time. And the impact of that is something that's unknown at this point, other than it's not good. And stocks have responded with an enormous drop, historic drops and historic uh, bounces that go where the stock market's gone straight up, historically levels here, extreme volatility, unlike anything we've seen in history, which is really saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when we spent a bunch of time talking about the impact that ETFs were going to have on a potential crash? And that a lot of really smart people thought that um, the computers that control those funds would essentially start a, an, a chain reaction and cause deeper crashes and more uh, more volatility. What do you call that? Like faster moving yeah, changes. That's, That's called volatility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in both upward and downward direction. And I think... That's what we've seen. I mean, we've definitely seen that. I would say that it's partially due to the ETFs. I don't know if it's to the level that they thought would happen, but it's been very interesting to watch these record-setting changes in the market um, happen with these these computers being involved. And as we as we talked about, uh, those of you who are sitting in ETFs, um, in spite of all of these warnings. Um, while you're still trying to figure out whether you want to learn to invest or not, uh, be really difficult right now to decide to exit the market. That would be extremely difficult decision now that it's down, you know, depending on where we are today, it's down another 600 points today as we're talking, which is on a Monday. We're going to deliver this to you guys tomorrow. 
<clears throat> yeah, so and, we're recording um, this on April 13th. We don't usually say when we record it, but we are saying it these days because it changes so much every week. And uh, we're trying to, to record this as late as we can so that we have the most up-to-date uh, news and information about what's going on in the market, which is not how we how we normally operate. We really are. Uh, we, we usually don't really care what's happening in the market. And these days, right. everybody cares. So if you guys want to hear cares. kind of a macro view, go back and listen to last week's if you missed it. And this week, we wanted to get into talking about particular companies that may make it out of this situation okay. And I know that the reason we wanted to talk about it is this is the talk. This is, I, I know that I like talk about investing and hang out with people who are interested in investing, but pretty much everybody I know, including all the people who have never once tried to talk to me about investing, want to know which companies are going to make it out of this situation. Okay. It's a lot of like, Hey, what about cruise lines? What do you think? They're doing terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. As as if I mean this is this is how it's scary to have a little knowledge, right? I know. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing for you I guys. Know. And so when people are saying, What about cruise lines? They they effectively have absorbed the part of this investing education that says that we're looking for an event that puts a company on sale and they're thinking, Well, this is an event, so these guys must be on sale. Yep. Now, what was missing from that little equation of events putting a company on sale is the ability to figure out what the company is worth. You have to be able to do that, right? That's the first step. And in order to do that, you have to be able to know that it's with a high degree of certainty going to be around in 10 years. That's the next step. Yep. And if you don't know if the event is terminal, of, on this company. That is the event that's going on might kill it, put it in the bankruptcy, wipe out all the shareholders. Then you don't know if it's going to be around for 10 years, or at right. least with the shareholders today. Right. So that's right? what I want to ask you about today. Not cruising. Maybe we'll do that another time. But there's, a, and really not just one company, but a couple. But, but wait, wait. Cruising is crazy. Right now. <laughs> this blows my mind. Now, I haven't I haven't done a tremendous amount of in-depth look at what the cruise lines are doing, but my impression is they are full for the fall. They are booked. <laughs> I Carnival Cruise is booked for cruises from September. If you want to go cruising, you can't with Carnival because everybody else has gotten in line ahead of you. And I I mean, I'm somebody who like you couldn't pay me to go on a cruise. I don't ever want to go on a cruise. So I don't relate to this desire in any way. Like to me, it just feels did, like did this come from me taking you on a cruise when you were a little kid. You Is never that took you me on a up? cruise. No, that was what my sister. What are you sister. talking about? No, you, no, that was my sister. I didn't go. Oh, I don't know why I didn't right. go, but oh, I remember you gosh. guys went. All right. So you didn't go. No. Well, and that would explain why you don't want to go now, I guess. You were against it all the way. I don't think it relates at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. But here's how crazy this is in my view. And it tells me how little the general public understands this virus. This is how flipping little people, people they think this is going to go away. But I think they, they also just, go I think they love cruising. 
Okay, like, you love cruising obsessively. and you think yeah. the coronavirus is just going to magically go away. All right, now this is a virus for which humanity has no immunity. Okay, and we are desperately sheltering in place at different places around the world at different degrees, not in order to wipe out the virus. That's not why we're sheltering. We're sheltering so that the virus impact doesn't wipe out our hospital system and wipe out all of our, our medical people, all of our EMTs get exhausted and then they get sick and our nurses and our doctors, pretty soon there's nobody in there to help anybody. The ICU wards are full up and they can't treat everybody. So we've sheltered in order to limit the impact on the healthcare system. Totally. And that's working, thank God. That seems to be working. Now what people don't seem to quite grasp is that the coronavirus doesn't go away until we are able to produce a vaccine against it and then we'll wipe it out. But it's going to be here when you stop sheltering. And what a wonderful place to get the virus. Go right back onto a cruise ship with people coming from all walks of life who think they're fine, but they've actually contracted coronavirus and don't know it. They get on the cruise ship and bam, there you go. You're there now was in a test tube with coronavirus. Oh yeah, and you're you're locked in that test tube for the next month while so I, the ship I, I, tries I, to find a place would, to dock. Nobody would actually do that in their right mind unless they just Dad, don't understand. People were getting on cruises until they were forced not to just a couple of weeks ago. Oh my god, I, you're so right. I actually had a friend of mine's wife and baby and friend come and stay in our house where they 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 quarantined themselves after getting off a cruise ship in the middle of March. Oh, God. And it's like, what yeah. were you thinking? Uh, and yeah, uh, they just wanted to go on a cruise ship. Uh, we, I think we're the wrong people to, to try to figure out Carnival Cruise, because clearly we are not fans yeah. of cruising. Um, right. But and yeah, now, so... Just, just on this subject, though, and here's, here's some of the economic issues that the cruise lines are going through. Number one is... I don't know if the federal government's going to step in and help them. Number two, Carnival alone owes $15 billion in debt and has $9 billion in cash, and they're burning money at the rate of a billion dollars a month. So they will be in bankruptcy by the end of this year if something dramatic doesn't happen, in spite of the fact that they're booking all these cruises. So I don't, you know, honestly, God, I have no idea what's going to happen there, which is to the point of these people are going, what about the cruise lines? You have to pick an event. You The event has to be something where you are quite certain it will be over in a year or more. And that more only extends out about two or three years. Let's say three years. So you have to know that this event is not terminal. It will be completely over inside three years. It'll last at least a year. Or the big guys aren't going to get out in the first place. But this is clearly one of those events where they're screaming out the door, the theater's on fire. And the question is, will the shareholders survive this uh, this this pandemic? And the and I will tell you right now, don't get confused about whether the company will survive and whether the shareholders yes, will survive. Yes, please That's make that point. Two radically different things. Yeah. The bankruptcy code in the United States is very aggressive in favor of employees, which means the company will almost always survive 
if it's still a viable concern. And certainly the cruise lines will be a viable concern when this is over. So the bankruptcy courts are not going to put them into Chapter 7 bankruptcy and sell off all the ships. That's not going to happen. They'll go into a Chapter 11 bankruptcy with a big hedge fund backing them up uh, to give them loans while they're in a very short bankruptcy, 45 days. And they will come out with no debt and no shareholders. And everybody can go on their cruises in September exactly as they planned I, and won't even notice that the investors got wiped out along right, the way, which right. is the whole point of that kind of restructuring to make right. the, the business continue as exactly. it was. Exactly. So please don't imagine that, oh, well, the cruise lines are doing great. Therefore, I'll invest in them. They're having a terrible time. They're highly likely to go into a Chapter 11 bankruptcy unless the federal government just hands them money, which the federal government doesn't want to do. They don't want to but hand them the money. It completely could happen. They want to lend it to them. And the, the it's not going to help these guys to borrow a bunch of money. They're already too much in debt. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the federal government wants to take an ownership position in the company, and I, who knows how much. So um, you've it's got to mess. know that this thing is going to end, and we just don't know where that happens with the cruise line. So for reference, if you want to see how another bankruptcy is going along, kind of like that, you can look up the PG and E bankruptcy that's still in process and how it's gone back and forth, and the shareholders don't know what's going to happen, and the stock price has gone up and down, and yet, of course, PG and E is still operating the electric grid and uh, is a going concern. So. To me, that's a good reference for the kind of thing that can happen. Sort of a cautionary tale. Now, when you see Warren Buffett put in enough into the cruise lines that he's in at least, let's say, 5% of Berkshire Hathaway <laughs> spread across those cruise lines. Those stock prices would shoot up so fast. <laughs> then we'll all take Biden into those cruise lines seriously. Okay. But not uh, until then, sports fans. Not until then. Well, Which takes us to the other one we hear about. As a counterpoint to what you just said. Or counterpoint's the wrong word. As a, uh, as a, a buffering of what you just said. Um, Berkshire, Buffett through Berkshire, has owned the major U.S. airlines for what now? Like a few years, I think. Mm -hmm. And is a was a large shareholder of Delta and Southwest. He was more than 10% shareholder. So if he sells any shares as a 10% shareholder, he has to file that immediately with the SEC and it becomes public knowledge, which he did. He sold shares and filed it with the SEC and it right. is public knowledge that he has sold a bunch of shares of Delta and Southwest. We don't know what he's done with United and American because he wasn't as large of a shareholder of those, so he doesn't have to file right away. But we'll find out when his um, 13F filings come out. And right. I would be surprised if he sold Delta and Southwest that he wouldn't have also sold American and, and United. So that was a big flashing uh, wake-up call to everybody who follows Berkshire Hathaway and who, as I said, you know, everybody's asking about all this stuff at dinner parties, well, dinner parties at like, you know, virtual <laughs> calls amongst all of us um, about what to, what to do, what to buy. And airlines are basically the second thing asked about after cruises. So I've never really researched airlines. I'm not very interested in that business. 
So I'm a total ignoramus about it. But it is interesting to look at it because at least in the U.S. and I think European airlines and the Middle Eastern airlines and the Asian airlines are all kind of their own situation. But we are going to have air travel again at some point. So the question is, who's going to make it out of this and how? So can we talk a little bit about those as recession possible good-ish businesses? Sure. Even though Buffett sure. just sold? Sure. <laughs> well, let's let's deal with Buffett selling first off. Okay. There's a there's regulations um, with regard to how you are incorporating uh, a company onto your balance sheet depending on how much you own of it. And the one of the cutoffs is at 10% ownership of that company. And Buffett's ownership of Delta and Southwest is right at that level of 10%. Um, so he has to notify people what he's doing and so on. And he tries to keep that level below that 10% requirement so that they don't have to incorporate uh, the airline's balance sheets into their own. And um, that means that as the uh, value of the stock increases, they may have to sell some off, all right? Now, what <laughs> one wouldn't expect is that the value of the stock has increased. Correct. In order to drive it up <laughs> over that, that barrier. And but that's, I mean, he's been over 10% with Delta for a while. He owned like 11 or 12%. Yep, and by reducing it below 10%, he can now sell it without telling anybody. Yeah which really helps him get out, right? So we don't know what he's doing exactly, except that he's lowered the amount of uh, shares in the, or the percentage he owns of the companies down below the level that he has to report. Um, and that's significant, very significant. So let's think about, one, why would Buffett buy an airline? And two, why would he sell it? Okay, so let's, let's dive into that. Let's. All right. So first, what is it about an airline um, that makes it a, what is it about any company that makes it a viable business for us? What's, what's the main thing we look for? So for me, that it's a company that has a great mission and has wonderful management and that I can get it at a good price. But you said okay. one thing and I said you three things, miss, so you must have been. You managed to miss the one thing. Ha. Ah. <laughs> The one thing. <laughs> it's lovely that it has a great mission and great management. Those are very important. Right? I need Match to understand values. the business. Yeah, and I'm going to assume you do here. Oh, then I have no idea what you're talking about. The business isn't viable if it doesn't have a big moat. Oh, it okay, just the simply moat. isn't All viable. Right. And the reason it's not viable is because without a big moat, we don't know if it's going to be around 10 years. <clears throat> moat by definition is what protects you against competition and competition is what wipes you out if you're not good at competing. Mm -hmm. So companies without a big moat by definition have a much higher degree of chance of not making it 10 years. And we True. need to know with a high degree of certainty, this company will be around in 10 years, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, so that's the first thing we got to go to. We're going to assume we can we can understand the business, and we're going to assume that management has integrity and talent for the time being. And we'll, we certainly can't even figure out whether it's on sale or not if it doesn't have a moat. There's no way. Okay, we so start with moat. We got to start with moat. So what is it about the major airlines? There's four of them, Southwest, um, 
American, United, and Delta. What is it about those companies now that has encouraged Buffett to buy them when he hated them 10 years ago? What's changed? You're asking the wrong girl because I don't get it. I mean, All right. here's it, what's it, changed. <laughs> there was so much competition on what amounts to a near commodity that companies went out of business and were absorbed into other into the big four. So yeah. U.S. Air is gone. Northwest Airlines gone. Continental's gone. Right. Just to name three. Right. So those were three huge airlines and they're gone. They don't exist anymore. They've been absorbed and all their routes have been absorbed into one of those big four airlines. And in addition to getting the routes, what you get are their gates. And so what's changed dramatically is that the airlines are now not competing as significantly with each other as they used to up until just a few years ago. Really? You think airlines aren't competing as much? Not as much because Um, they have they've locked down their special areas of the country. So, hmm. for example, if you're going to fly out of Atlanta, you're really you're either going to fly a major discount airline and mm-hmm. get sh- herded in like cattle, or if you're a business traveler and you don't want to do that, you're going to fly Delta. Almost well, certainly. Yeah, right. So if you live in a hub, then yes, you're going to fly right. whatever that airline so is. So if you're in Dallas, you're going to fly American. Right. If you're in Chicago, you're flying United, right? And so each of these companies has chunks of the market that it controls better than it ever used to. If you're in Minneapolis, you're Delta. Okay. If you're in Salt Lake, you're Delta. Right. If you're in LA, you don't even probably fly Delta unless you're trying to come home to Atlanta. So it's just that the competition for specific routes has decreased substantially to a point where airlines for the first time in many years back since the seventies are when they were regulated, um, are starting to get pricing power on their routes. They're starting to have absolutely full airplanes, which you must've noticed. I don't know if you're flying as much as I have, but it's, it, I mean, the airline before this whole coronavirus, it was packed. Every plane was packed. Full airplanes. Teeth. I agree. Yeah. Not to mention right? all the various fees for every possible right. thing you can put a fee on for. And full airplanes like that indicate, there's soon to come pricing power. Not only that, but fuel costs have dropped down and look to stay down dramatically as oil reserves were discovered to exist that everybody thought were not possible. And look at where oil is now. Oil is at historic lows adjusted for inflation. So, in fact, oil has gotten so low, you guys, that they can't, they can't even pump it in Texas anymore. It costs too much to to take it out of the ground. Oh, and guess what? There's almost no place to put it within yeah, there's no four storage. days. Canada will have filled up. If they keep pumping oil, they will have filled up all of their places to put it. Mm-hmm. The United States is a little farther than that, but not much. So oil is literally coming out of the ground right now in Texas. That's worthless. You can't sell it to anybody. There's no buyers. So this is an amazing time for the airlines, except for this coronavirus. So that's why Buffett started buying them is because they become more like a utility and less like a competitive company. That's why he's buying railroads. Again, same idea. Not so much competition as there used to be 50 years ago. Now, very specific railroads have very specific routes and they don't really compete. 
And that makes them like a utility. And Berkshire loves utilities. They like to buy companies that have very little competition. If they can get them at a great price, they're going to snap them up. And these airlines were at a decent price. So Buffett started buying them. Now, the question becomes, why would he sell? If he's going to sell, we don't know that he's selling, right? We just know he's sort of got below that 10% barrier. So why would you sell? I mean, let me see if you can think of think about this with me. What's changed in a month from, hey, they don't really have a lot of competition to, hey, I need to get out of this? Well, I mean, obviously everything has changed. As you just pointed out with the cruise ships, we don't know if these companies are going to make it through. It depends on go. when people start flying again, and it depends on how much they're going to have to spend, and it depends on if the federal government is going to bail them out. So everything's changed, but at the same time, nothing has changed. They still own all of the stuff that you just said. No other airline has come in and taken over Atlanta airport's gates. Right. So in that sense, in that sense, nothing has changed. But well, we, we have this major event, and, and you're saying that nothing's changed in the long run, which is true, right? In other words, the long run still looks like we'll have airlines, and it'll be these four. Well, see, that's the part that I'm, I question. Like, I think it will be these four, because that's just kind of the way it seems like governments have decided to handle these things now. Mm -hmm. But I wish that, frankly, like... <laughs> This sounds cold to the people who work for airlines, and I'm sorry about that. But I wish that companies that were not run well would be allowed to go bankrupt and go away and get bought by somebody else and have them come in and fix it and start a different company. And it's not going to happen with these things, I don't think. But it would be nice if it would, because I think we consumers would benefit. And employees probably would benefit. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, not not to dive into that too deeply, yeah. but that has been what's happened in the airlines. I mean, that the less well-run companies that had less strong uh, moats have failed, and unfortunately, virtually all airlines have failed. I think Southwest is the only one mm -hmm. of the majors that hasn't gone bankrupt in the last twenty years. Which oh, is really? Has, people don't realize. Like I said, I've never researched the airlines. So Delta has no, has gone bankrupt before. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, pretty sure. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure they went bankrupt after 9-11. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. So I'm not positive, but just hold hold back on that. And I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but I but think they did. Most um, of the, I know United has and American has. So, so here, yeah. What's changed now in terms of the long, first off, let's just look at long term. Will, let's say Delta, which has a dominant position, will Delta and Southwest be around in 10 years? I don't know. I mean, I think probably I think probably Delta. Delta's huge. Southwest isn't that big, right? So not big. I'm not sure but if it's Southwest more, will much be. more profitable than any of the rest of the airlines and has less debt. Yeah. And to this point has been run better. Yeah. It's the best run airline to this point. So I think a lot of the answer to that question depends on how the government handles the next few months. Well, I would put it like this. We, I, I totally think the airlines will be around in 10 years. It's just a question of whether the shareholders will be the same shareholders. It's, <laughs> right? So they'll be around doing business. Um, they may be somewhat smaller if we have a change in the way our culture works, right? If people don't feel like they need to get on airplanes like they used to. But I think that's a little bit like e the E. coli thing at Chipotle. I think three years from now, people will have 
overcome their resistance to climbing on an airplane or a cruise ship and they'll be back in there. And, you know, people like to travel. So I think you're going to see a resurgence. Um, let's just assume for the sake of argument that it'll be fine down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a perfect event. It's going to let, you know, it's longer than a year. It's going to be fixed within three and off we go. So great. Let's just go buy it. Shall we? And then you think, well, wait a second. Is there any possibility that this could be terminal, this event, for the shareholders, right? Could this, in other words, could this company go into bankruptcy? And then we have to take a pause. Okay, well, wait a second. Right now, uh, Delta is burning, I think, uh, what did they say, $60 million a day. All right. Okay. Wow. That's $1.8 billion a month is their burn rate. Let's call it $2 billion a month is their burn rate. The, the entire, you can buy the entire company in the market right now, if you happen to be Warren Buffett, for $14 billion. No way. Yeah, way. <laughs> in seven months, they're going to lose the entire value of their market cap. Yep. Jeez. Now, that'll give you a pause, it hasn't right? even. I mean, they haven't even gone down as far as they could, you know? You could oh, buy no. it cheaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And so the first thing that jumps out is that, wow, anybody coming in to fix this is going to have to cover $2 billion a month for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly for six or seven, well, they're going to start flying again in a few months, but it's going to be negative cash flow for the rest of this year. I mean, reasonably speaking. I think reasonably, yeah. Until there's okay. a vaccine, I think we're, so we're going to be in somewhat close to this situation for a long let's time. Let's just for fun say, okay, they're going to lose $2 billion a month for three months. That's $6 billion. And they're going to lose $1 billion a month for three months. That's $9 billion. And then they're going to lose half a billion a month or so. So really easily you could see that by the end of the year, they're negative $10 billion. Well, and let me just get this straight. So this number that you're using of $1.8 billion a month, that's without flying airline, flying the airplanes, right? Right. Well, they're still having to fly. Some Why are they they're still, still flying. They're down, about, they're down about 70 or 80%. Oh, they're still their flights. running flights in the U.S. They're still running some flights. In Europe here, they're not running. There's like a couple. I check every now and then. I check every now and then to see if I can get back to the U.S. in case we have a family emergency and I just have to. And I just make sure that I still can. And I still can, but it's hard. (laughs) It would take me several days. And most of that is just because there's one flight a day to each spot. And so then you have to spend the night somewhere. So there's just so few flights. It's... Well, Amazing. So the they're problem. flying more. What's that? You see the problem. Is yeah. So, but I'm trying to figure out: is, does hole. that does that burn go up or go down once they start flying more? Like either they're getting fares, so the burn goes down because you've already factored in the price of the flights, or yeah. it goes up because all of a sudden they're flying now, but they're not getting paid enough. No, I think I think it goes down a bit as they as they start to crank back up. Okay. But we don't know where it comes back to break even, right? So let's just assume they're going to have negative $10 billion. Okay. This is a company you can buy right now for $14 billion. So you'd have to say, okay, I'm going to buy it for $14 billion and I'm going to add $10 billion more. Right. So really I'm paying $24 billion for it. Right. Right. Plus whatever right. debt they already have. 
Right. And they're not down that much. That was, in other words, that's paying for what you could have bought them for three months ago. You're not getting them on a sale, in other words, mm-hmm. if you have to put all that cash in there. Okay, so that's why it's a little scary and Buffett might be selling and why the federal government might have to come in and rescue these guys or they're going into Chapter 11 bankruptcy and eliminate their debt and come out the other side in 45 days rocking and rolling like they've already done in their history. Well, somehow they'd have to become creditworthy enough to make new debt, right? Because they're burning this money. Oh, companies that come out of bankruptcy are... are uh, they're they're creditworthy because they have all these assets that no longer are leaned. Oh, that's true. So they now can start to lean them all over again. Them. Yep, got right. it. Yeah, do it all over again. And that's been the history of the airlines. And that's why Buffett said somebody should have come back in time and shot Orville Wright. <laughs> so you got ten billion dollars negative that's coming in, and the federal government now just said, okay, we're going to put up sixty billion dollars and we're going to save the airlines. Sixty billion. So we can see Delta is, is likely to take up $10 billion of that. So it looks like they've got potentially enough money allocated to cover things for at least a while, right? For at least a while. And then you go, oh, okay, well, good. Then maybe we should invest in Delta now. But wait, there are strings attached. There are ropes attached to this federal money. And the ropes look like something like uh, the federal government wants at least 10% of what they put in the company to be converted to warrants or options to own the stock of the company. In other mm. words, taken straight forward, they want to buy 10% of the company with these loans. And so there goes 10% of the equity right off the bat. Then they want you to pay back a bunch of these loans which will mean the company doesn't make any money maybe until they go into bankruptcy, limp into bankruptcy three years from now, being completely unable to pay back these loans. So they're paying them back quickly and directly instead of the other way. (laughs) Yeah. So there's just so much unknown here with Delta. As much as I would love to jump in there, the federal government in this battle between the Republicans and the Democrats, which goes on, unbelievably how they cannot make a good decision and end up with a compromise that is just wrecking the economy. Um, They're busy wrecking the airlines right now because they can't get them what they need. So we'll see. In other words, I can't buy into this stuff right now. So, man, that was like a lot of heavy duty. Oh, Oh, wait till next week. (laughs) (laughs) all right so we came in we came in trying to find a happy here you go guys we found one that might do okay and we ended up with a real dog of a depression situation yeah and i'm trying to process it yeah so the airlines you're saying are burning so much money that probably until the end of the year they're just going to keep burning 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 totally agree with that yep and the money that the u.s government has put up should cover it so you said they put up 50 billion and we're estimating 10 billion for delta and there's roughly four of them but it's not just the four of them it's also alaska and JetBlue, and there's probably other ones that i don't know about so okay 50 billion does sound like enough agree but the question is how how's the government what's the government going to get for that money right. that 
Yeah. What's the government going to get? And we get? don't know and the answer to that they're yet. They're not out to help the shareholders. They really don't care. That's the that's the worst part of it is they somehow people in government who don't tend to be much in the way of investors don't really realize that the vast majority of wealth that is invested in these companies is invested by little guys. Yeah. They just think of it as like, oh, Warren Buffett. But Warren Buffett isn't Warren Buffett per se. It's Berkshire Hathaway. And Berkshire Hathaway is owned by people who are people like the L.A. Sheriff's Department and the teachers union. And yeah. This is little guy money. And the people 85%. who invested with him from the very beginning, yeah. whose entire this net is, worth is in Berkshire Hathaway. This, this notion that, you know, there's the vast majority of wealth is held by just a handful of people is nonsense. There's certainly truth in the ratios, but come on. You know, you know you've got money in a 401k. And you're not Warren Buffett, but your money, like our money, is sitting in in investments in the market. That's your money sitting there. And so when the federal government says, oh, we're not going to help you out because we're not in charge of, you know, investors uh, surviving, they're talking about cratering 401k plans that have money in these airlines, these cruise ships and in places like But I also think, you know, capitalism works. And as you've said very well here on the podcast, investors are sitting here waiting to swoop in and save the day. Like people are so excited. We're talking about it with people who have no interest in investing until now. And people are excited to start finding great companies and putting money into them. And what's holding us back is, as you can see from this conversation we've just had, is the mysterious hand of the government coming in and doing we don't know what. And because we don't know what, and it could be a really good thing and it could be a really necessary thing, but because we don't know what, we don't know how to respond to it as investors. Exactly. exactly. If, if it didn't exist at all, if there were no bailouts, which there never used to be, then we would be going, okay, there's going to be a heck of a lot of pain ahead for the people who are working at those companies, but somebody's going to come in and buy those airlines and buy the airplanes. And those people are eventually going to figure out where they can work again. I'm not saying it wouldn't be painful and crappy because it would, but capitalism works and it would come out because of investors investing in a company that they think is going to do well in the future. And it's just, it's frustrating to be sitting here looking at all this stuff going, you know, we want to help basically. Oh, it's like, just, it's just like, I want to do it for myself, but I also kind I want to help with my money. You know, that's, that's what we do here is we, we help with our money. That's what gets me excited about it. And to not quite know what to do because of that, it is just very frustrating for me personally. And when we don't know what to do, we don't act. We Correct. just stay patient, stay patient, stay patient, keep looking for the opportunities. And we'll be talking more about, uh, another opportunity in in, in next week that um, may be a better chance of of being Ooh. a great investment. We'll dive into that next week. But right now, unbelievable. The government comes out and tells how they're going to save the airlines and the stock drops 14%. Is that what happened? Yep. What? I mean, investors are not stupid. <laughs> but apparently politicians, who are also not stupid, are in such a divisive 
world, I mean, they're more interested in getting themselves reelected, of course, and their party reelected than anything else in the world, much more than cooperating to make sure that American companies survive this pandemic. And the result of that is incoherence and a, a, an enormous uncertainty among investors about what to do next. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. Um, I, I would wish that the, the Congress would get its act together, but they won't. They're, they're at a point of mortal combat here and they will mm-hmm. not get their act together. So we can expect to see them do a lot of damage to the economy. And the question is, who's going to survive that damage? Yeah. If we look at it carefully. Well, we'll I'm looking forward week. to uh, a brighter subject next week. And I'm also going to just add that, again, as we said at the end of the last one, um, we are not recommending anything and we're also not discouraging you from anything. We're just giving our opinions here. And this is not investing advice at all. Um, yep. It's and, education and, and entertainment only. Right now at- $22 a share and laugh at us in yes. three years as you triple. Yeah, because somebody's going to come out of this good for sure. And eventually <laughs> what we're just trying to figure out is <laughs> what we can actually know. Can, and that can doesn't it mean... be us? Yeah. <laughs> can it be the little guy could do better here? <laughs> so hang loose and uh, we'll talk to you next week, you guys, because now it's time to go play. See All right. You. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.